0: Bardo FM, FM. FM.
1: I'm Frank McQueenie. I'm an English radio presenter, producer, and club DJ known as French Toast. I've just landed in Kolkata for the first gig of my two-week India tour. India's a place where the appetite for underground electronic music is growing exponentially. I've played there a few times, and those gigs are definitely up there with some of my favorites. What's new this time, though, is that I'm taking you with me. Over the next hour, you're following me around the country. I'm playing six gigs across six cities. And I'll be speaking to people involved in the underground electronic music scene from promoters to online community radio stations, booking agencies and of course the artists who make the dance floors move around the country. You'll hear incredible Indian productions as well as hand-picked tunes from my own DJ sets and radio shows. We kick off with a groover from Hamza. His track was my first intro to the amazing Indian house music sound. I'm on my way to meet Ankur Kedia, who runs bleep touring and management agency it's a little out of the city but the tunes are good and the taxi drivers decided to do a bit of singing for me <laughs> The place I get to is DJ Didsko's house. He's warming up for me at Phoenix Club later, but before we head out for my first proper local meal on this tour, Ankur and I find a spot in the garden for a quick chat. I start by asking him for a little history of his hometown.
2: Calcutta happens to be in the eastern side of the country. Basically, in the 1920s and 30s, the entire film industry was based in Calcutta. It was even the British capital of our country, but then slowly, slowly, post-independence somehow due to political reasons all the action shifted to Bombay and it's a pretty nice, chilled out place. It's It has a good balance of both the worlds. So tell me a little bit about Bleep then, you know, as the founder. We have our own domestic roster of four artists and then there's the other part where we are touring international artists in India. We've had Sebastian Mullard, Jim Stubb, Itap Kyle, Kim Foxman, and Foxman, Danny House. Our first gig was the founder of Acid House, DJ Pierre. So yeah, I think for Yorvan, we're, we're doing pretty good. And even the domestic roster that we have is a small, really tight roster. We can all complement each other in different ways. But then again, everyone stands out on their own as an artist.
1: big international talent to this country how big is the appetite and how do those parties go
2: india is a very very different market and more than india every city in its own is a very very different market the gigs are going well there are some gigs which do not go well because certain people just get a little ambitious the biggest problem in india are the timings most clubs in the country shut by 1130 people only get to enter the clubs by 11 11 and you know a two hour experience for the music and the style that we're talking about is nothing you know it needs to be extended journey so that's a big challenge we face but we kind of have to do with it occasionally during one-off situations you know we are somehow able to swing it and make the parties go late but 1 1 is the standard so that's the biggest challenge I would say The second challenge that I would say is again, that the government doesn't recognize this as a serious job or a serious uh, career opportunity for artists and promoters. They look at this in a point of view where nightlife is not a part of their culture. So there's always that issue happening, you know, if you want to do some outdoor events, So there's always big issues, you know, for getting licenses and, you know, just the way they look at, uh, you know, the events that we do are not very positive.
1: When you were mentioning bringing someone like DJ Pierre, is it difficult to make your money back?
2: Uh, So, I mean, again, it has to be a two-way street where whenever we do approach an agency to bring an artist down, we have to communicate how the scene is very well so that they have an understanding of what it is. Most of the time that we've got on artists, the artists themselves have wanted to come to the country, explore, check it out. So many of them who come, they always, you know, stay back for two, three extra days. And, you know, they just do some local sightseeing, eat some food. And also, I mean, you know, Asia is an upcoming market. So is India. So it's cool for even these artists to go to these, uh, you know, newer places because it's a different market for them. And then we're able to get them at much friendlier prices than they would in Europe. So somehow we have to make it work. And obviously we need to put in that extra effort from our side to ensure that everybody we know is there at the party.
1: Those people you've brought in in your first year of existence, it would have been their first time in India to to play. And that must be an amazing feeling for you.
2: For sure, for sure. I mean, uh, that feeling about getting someone for the first time is always really special because... uh, you know, many a times, like, even many people didn't know who DJ Pierre was when they do not have any expectations from the night because they don't know who the artist is or what the vibe is going to be. And when they go back just having a great night, they will remember that night always.
1: Tell me a few anecdotes or a few highlights, which were really special, you know?
2: Yeah. So I think for me, the most uh, special Etap Kyle, it actually worked out very well in India because in India, people dance their hearts out the parties out here are only like for two to three hours so they make sure they go full out during those two to three hours so the vibe and energy is a little different so you know you combine that energy with raw industrial techno that uh, itap was playing it was just uh, incredible and uh, and these things you know again in india it's always a hit and miss you can never really know what will happen Work happen. what will be some night it'll just an explosion you never expect and it'll just happen. Indian people dance their hearts out. What does an Indian dance floor look
1: like then? A packed Indian dance floor, let's say.
2: <laughs> packed Indian dance floor, lots of people going nuts, hands in the air. Luckily there's not a whole lot of people clicking photos and videos, which is great. There's just like a lot of raw energy.
1: I'm really looking forward to the gigs coming up. Kolkata
2: now, what can I expect of my, of my party? You'll meet some nice and warm people, basically, you know, because there's not a lot happening in the city, so whenever there is something happening, people are very welcoming.
1: En route to Phoenix with Pratik, a.k.a. Didsko. What's the place like, mate?
3: Uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's got a good compact vibe. And, yeah, people throw down in
1: that. Thank you. Vikram, hey that's
3: man. Frank. Frank, how are you spot. We are looking forward to hearing you tonight. Like
1: yeah, that. I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's the first gig of the tour, so... Oh, is it? Should be a good one. Yeah, of course. I'm a bit edgy, you know. It'll be bumpy, again. don't
4: worry. Hi, <laughs> sir. How are you? Hi, you. Hiya,
1: Frank. Frank. It's about 10 p.m playing a little one of my opening tracks for tonight I think I think we're gonna start a little bit disco and then we'll bring it on to harder stuff I'm told people in Kolkata like it a bit heavy after midnight so here we go boom that was quite something, first gig of the tour in Calcutta Woo. amazing crowd having a great time and I'm in the car from Chennai to Pondicherry we're playing tonight as storytellers we're going to meet Shantanu the guy who runs the party and then just get down again this is my spot Duplex, Pondicherry, little nap before the party Est-ce que tu es français Oui, ma mère est Ok. French. okay. Tu parles
4: français
1: alors Voilà, ouais, pas de problème. On okay. peut parler français, ouais. parle anglais, français. J'ai cru comprendre
4: que tu habitais
1: en France. J'ai grandi en France, Honestly, Bondicherry is like a little bubble of French heritage in the middle of vast India. People here speak it like natives, it's crazy. So after a really cool party and a lot of speaking French, Chantenu, who also goes by the name of Small Town Guy, takes me to a very French coffee spot to have a listen to his new tune playing in the background, talk about his roots and what he's trying to achieve with his new company, B-Side. I'm born here, I've lived uh, all my life here. I got
4: into music a good 12 years back and we doing doing like small gigs and stuff and now we have something a little more serious happening. <laughs>
1: Tell me a little bit about your company then. How did it kind of come about and what are you trying to achieve in the future?
4: One of the things is that the South definitely needed an agency for artists and we kind of also felt that house Disco and could do with some agency representing that side of things
1: one of your artists Unaina is doing really well and you've got a few other artists that I've crossed paths with over the years like John and and Hamza how did you sort of identify these guys to work with
4: well everything started with uh, Stalvert. and he, he was this talented young guy who had to run away from the Kochi scene start a new life in Bangalore and he was struggling you know so easy and we saw that th- there's guys like that with so much talent but like nothing really much happening and I knew that I could get bookings for these guys uh, the same way I do for myself. And spend, really take uh, time on individual cases. So I thought, yeah, these guys, it's not their job to like promote themselves, market,
1: uh, do a small talk with people. What's coming up in the future for you guys?
4: Opening uh, doors towards Europe. A lot of people are, uh, build credibility by booking international artists. And we're going in a dynamic where we're just... Taking care of
1: uh, Indian uh, artists. Yeah.
4: yeah, I mean our yeah uh, in-house roster of, of Stalwart, nayana and Hamza. I think, which is small but pretty compact.
1: That was really good fun um, playing for you guys last night, and uh, hopefully see you again next year.
4: Yeah, for sure, mate. <laughs>
1: at Kitiko Rooftop, I'm on the terrace right now, sound check time, all the guys from Junkit Agency who are the people putting on the party today, just checking out, everything's working fine. I've got a nice view from here, I can literally see the whole city. This is a venue from the Kittisu group, which is very known in India for pushing LGBT parties. What I'm really excited about Bangalore is that this is a student city. So, the crowd is extremely varied, comes from all walks of life, and it's gonna be fun. Tomorrow, I'm sticking around in Bangalore. We're gonna be speaking to Unaina, who's an artist involved in the scene since 1998, so he can give us a bit of background on how it's been going around here. Let's get cracking. Yeah, good, bro. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Yeah, it was a good night. Yeah, I had a good time. We are with Unayana. Whereabouts are we in town?
5: Indira Naga. west of Tango. Off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Prashant. Unayana is my artist's name. I like to be known as Prashant though. Only when I'm stage can you call me Unayana. And we
1: are in your home right now. I can see quite a lot of equipment here.
5: I like to sample stuff, you know. I'm in India, right? I have access to guys who play. The release that I've sent to Atypical in New York was of a rag on a flute. Uh, that was the whole track on a flute and I just drop it with like a house beat. And um, I was also working with a Carnatic vocalist from Chennai, She brilliant, uh, Vesa So I recorded her and those are the two tracks of Unayana's first releases on, on Atypical. So that's the Atypical release, Jimmy's Theme. Chimmy is like my mom's nickname. So I made this track on her 20th death anniversary. I didn't talk about it. But I just sent it to Joe, and he liked it. And he said, "Okay, this is going on the record." This is uh, Miles Bigler from Canada. Two tracks of mine, um, one of Miles and one of Anton Nyotnas from Russia. You know what? It's strange, but I only I had more vinyl releases than digital releases in a time when there was no vinyl. <laughs> vinyl went through that whole slump.
1: seen for a while take me to that very beginning i'm told 98 is that like a
5: very important year for djing yes production maybe 99 2000 i was just playing about with uh, whatever softwares i had at that time just filling and trying to make some bollywood remixes and Are you still got some of those bollywood remixes there must be somewhere <laughs> must be somewhere <laughs> i was 24 in 98 And music has always been a part of my life in the sense that my mum used to sing and my dad was a wicket keeper in the Indian cricket team. And he was on the team when India beat England in England for the first time in the 70s. And he was also on the team when India beat West Indies in West Indies. So whenever he travelled he came back with records. So I used to listen to all those records. I was lucky. So uh, because I had the knowledge, I had all the music, I went to this pub in Hyderabad. That's where, that's where I was born, yeah. I used to work as a hardware engineer. you know. So after the day's work, I went to this place because my friends got the contract to play music in there. I walked in there, and for the first time, I saw like a huge collection of CDs. And there was this CD player and a mixer and all of that. Dual CD players, which is like a big thing. My friend Zamir, he showed me around. He just said, okay, you know, this is what you do. You just pitch control and, you know, all of that. Cue it, play it. And then he's like, okay, fine, bye. I'm going outside. <laughs> I'm getting myself a drink and play some pool. So yeah. you just play the music. So I just sat there playing music. And then I had a bunch of people coming up to me saying, man, who are you? So I was in this, like, literally like a shirt and a tie and a pair of trousers sitting in this DJ booth playing music. <laughs> so <laughs> kept going back there again and again because I enjoyed it I went there one afternoon and then I was trying to mix and I think I did like accidentally happened to play a Michael Jackson Stranger in Moscow with like a techno beat and I just put them both and I just let it play and then the DJ came running into the booth saying what the hell did you just do so I said I don't know I just did something and he's yeah. like fucking hell that's perfect so he's like okay fine you can come here and learn and I said okay great so that's how it started.
1: How was the DJ scene back then?
5: I went to Raspberry Rhinoceros in Bombay in 98 and I walked into the DJ console. And at the back, the club itself had records 400, 500 records in the club. And you'd find all kinds of stuff there. you find like some commercial stuff to like, uh, you know, Giorgio Moroder, or I think there was a couple of compilations back then. And like you had white labels and what have you. So you had all of the music. Like A DJ didn't have to carry music, really. He just had to go to the club and pick the music and, and play it. But it was Bombay, you know. It was Bombay that had a club that had all of this. <laughs> so that was like the reference point, really. 2002 happened something... you know i think i should genuinely do something that's significant in my life because i really like music so my uncles and they said okay fine what do you want to do i said well i'd like to go and study in manchester that's possible so i said yeah please go do whatever you want (laughs) here's the money go so i looked for schools i found school sound recording spent three and a half years almost you know absorbing everything understood what being in england was all about you know as as a person and also as a guy who's like a Learning music, and as a guy who's producing, or as a guy who wants to DJ, and then I get all that exposure, which is great. Mm-hmm. I had all my connections there, fun, rainy city music. It was beautiful, and then I had to come back because I couldn't get a visa, it couldn't work, and so I had to come back. I was on a student visa. So I came back to Hyderabad. When I tried playing in clubs back then, what I came back with from Manchester, I, people used to laugh at me and ask me to stop playing and get out of the DJ console Like after maybe half an hour of playing really. Over here it's like a common thing for someone to come sit on a table, pull out a napkin and just write a bunch of songs that he wants you to play and then so when you come to the console you'll have like a, a big stack of like napkins with music written on it like requests and then they get upset if you don't play it. They're like, no, I asked ask for five tracks. You only played two or three. I was like, man, I played, you know, played all of that earlier. It's like, no, 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 you have to play that again. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so I found this really cool place called Pimatka. I walked into that place and I said, man, I'm going to have to play here. So it became like a big thing. Like in three months, it just packed. I used to pack the place up. Some of the coolest people come hanging out. And I did that for about a year. And then um, the political... happened. Hyderabad was part of Andhra Pradesh and then the Telangana which is now were starting to create a lot of unrest and start fighting and so I had to get out of there like if I had to. So there was clubs were getting shut down businesses were like moving away and a lot of people just left Hyderabad because of that political turmoil. So I moved to Bangalore. I'm one of the immigrants that ran away from Hyderabad really. There's been about 2-3 million people that moved to Bangalore, literally, in the span of one year, in 2010.
1: What kind of happened in your career when you arrived here?
5: I had a couple of friends from Hyderabad, a guitar player, and a pianist. So they said, like, why don't we just get together and create our own music? So that's how we started. We started just jamming, I me dropping beats on the turntable, and this guy is, like, playing guitar, but through a live stage. It was like an electronic band, like, there was a perfect recipe. So we used all our influences hip-hop, break whatever. So we started doing all of that and started performing here and there. And that's when people started watching what I was doing. Like, shit, okay, this guy's a DJ. The band fell apart a year later. And then they started booking me for, for DJ gigs. And that's when it all just changed. I think I did one party and where I played my music and everyone just actually understood. It felt good. This venue called Pebble. Beautiful venue, outdoor, has a beautiful banyan tree. And it was a flea market. For about a year while I was doing the band, they were like tired of doing techno, techno, and they said, man, I don't. I think you should come and play. So when I played there, party was under the banyan tree, and I was playing African music. Couldn't get any better than that. Mm. Literally, I had just had the whole place buzzing. There were about 500 or 600 people that just went crazy listening to African music. Yeah. That was Afro House. I, I was playing everything from Ibadan, Joe Clausel, to Oshin Lade, to, you know... Timmy Regisford, that whole New York vibe, and the, I think this was like a perfect moment. I guess it was mm-hmm. meant to be yes.
1: that must have been amazing to finally sort of, you know, realize that there was an appetite and an understanding.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I knew that there was because it could happen in Hyderabad. Why can't it happen in Bangalore? Because there was. It's not like there wasn't cool people here. It's not like it's just that they were so caught up in their own worlds, thinking, "Oh, what I know is the best." Now it's the tables have turned, actually. So I get to see people who come up to me and ask me for Bollywood requests being thrown out of the club. So yeah, things have changed, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's
1: it changed?
5: What happened was uh, people were just worried about jobs. It wasn't really much about entertainment. Uh, the entertainment was just going to clubs and just listening to Bollywood music. I think people started to put in money and started bringing in more artists. Uh, the Asian underground movement that happened in in the UK in London, Talvin Singh, you know, State of Bengal. I think they were the guys who, who were brought to India to perform, and you know, it was like a the outside exposure. Um, I think access to music was the problem, for the general public, and I think a lot of people struggled to understand what internet was. There was no record stores. There was, you know, CD shops, but that rare cut that you want, you'll find in a record shop in. And you can, can't you get know, it here. And you can't get it here. Get so does that mean
1: there's like a massive gap in releases?
5: Absolutely, a gap and a distance that just kept, you know, getting bigger and bigger between our music lover and, and access to music. And if you wanted to DJ, you had to play on turntables and on records. Really, back then, whoever wanted to DJ was like, had to be privileged enough to buy records, come back, and then play. You know, so people used to go to Singapore to buy records because it was cheaper to go to Singapore than go all the way to England. <laughs> So how do you think it's
1: sort of gone in Bangalore since then? How do you
5: see the scene now? There's a lot of potential. People are learning by making mistakes. It's getting better. There is a long way to go, definitely. I think there's still a big gap that needs to be filled. Promoters want to push and make money. The venues want to just book acts that make money. And the artists are still where they are. And I think if you can create certain systems that benefits the artist then I think it'll be a much better environment really.
1: Where do you see it going? Are you you wanna keep being a full-time artist? What's the plan?
5: I think the potential of the Indian sound hasn't been explored. So many sounds that you can actually explore and because this country's got so much history in terms of music, in terms of culture, but music has a lot of history which is needs to be discovered you know the folk music especially it's like it's beautiful the tribal music is so beautiful to
1: have some kind of Indian signature is it important to you
5: it's important to just know your roots this is who I am I'm Indian Mm. so I need to know my music the choice is mine of course whether I want to use it in my productions fine if I don't that's fine but you need to know your own culture I think that's really important Mm. So I'm not saying that if you're an Indian and you can't make techno, no, no, I have some techno releases too, but I just like to touch everything.
1: Have you been doing some stuff that's kind of enabled you to go out of India a bit and share your music?
5: That's the hard part, because there's so much coming in. For an Indian artist, it's like, uh, it's just the techno sound, you know, I only see Arjun Vagale. he's the only Indian artist who's produced Mm. music and he's like, you know, out there playing and traveling and touring like a high-flying DJ, rit- literally. You know. I don't see anyone else doing it. It's an uphill struggle. I would love to go and play, but it happens when it happens. I'm pushing, I'm doing my thing. I have to be ready in the sense that I have to keep doing what I...
1: Keep doing what you're doing, essentially. Yeah. Keep on keeping on. Keep
5: on keeping on, yeah. <laughs> Stanley Clark.
3: my stage name is liquid I also program for the Kirisu chain in India
1: and we're back in uh, Mumbai being my base here uh, for this India tour what's special about Mumbai specifically like as a place to play it's a very big migrant
3: city so you have people from all across the country A lot of the people I know here and I've worked with over the years and I've been friends with are not from here. We've just kind of like made this our home. Globally also a lot of people who move in and make Mumbai their base. The city's energy is very different from any other city in the country. It's it's quite intense and that kind of transcends into the dance floors as well. When the party is good in Mumbai, I think that's pretty much as good as it gets in India. However, it's not always very consistent.
1: You told me something, which was what is consistent about India is inconsistency. Consistency it has been a major challenge in our scene. And
3: um, there's a lot of really good parties which don't actually, like good lineups which don't get the crowd. We're still trying to figure why, but like the scene is very venue-centric and not music-centric. People prefer certain venues over others. People prefer parties in certain geographical location over others instead of following the music which is a little bit of shame that kind of like affects a lot of people investing and doing bigger stuff here. Yeah? because you know there is no real confidence in putting out a big lineup and if it's a new venue because they don't know if they'll make their money back so that's a dilemma in Bombay because also there's a lot of options on a good night there's like five good parties to go to and the scene is not very big The city is very big But like there's only like About thousand people out So you split that into Five venues There's 200 people Which is not enough
1: So Kitty Sue Yeah as a brand I mean I've been obviously Very impressed by the new pop up that, that you guys have got in Bangalore Which was really fun And I played in The Mumbai Kitty Sue Last year when I first came For my first proper tour in India So it's a place I like a lot There's a big kind of emphasis On inclusivity in that club big push towards promoting LGBT culture where does that come from and how important is it to push that? It comes from um, the executive director and the guy who
3: owns the club it's, it's his vision, he started Kirisu about 7 years back I've only kind of worked with him for about the last 2 years he's part of the community, he's very proud about that and he's very proud of who he is and he's very open about it and he wants everyone else to be the same, which I agree and he also is a very well-traveled guy and he knows his music. Mr. Suri basically uh, wanted to start this club and kind of make this a safe space for anyone. A lot of clubs have uh, door policies which say that stags are not allowed. They use the word stag, we don't use the word stag at the door. Uh, Like two guys could be also a couple. And same with women, we don't discriminate at the door. We have had backlashes. You know, this is too weird, this is too new. I mean, like, this is not for India, that kind of conversations. People are really conservative, like, you will be surprised, like, even the youth is sometimes. This is what we are, we're not going to change. This is going to continue to be a focus, and that's the only way. Even globally, I think that's inclusivity has been a big conversation. We also kind of look at the northeastern community in India, discriminated heavily against. We're also the only club in the country which uh, nurtures drag and uh, we have a stage for drag and these are not necessarily djs they're like singers dancers there's like all kinds of stuff happening so you're kind of moving into a performance space in more than just being a club there's a big drag community there was one but it was like not in anyone's radar thanks to the good work uh mr suri has been doing and you know he's kind of like made us understand what drag is. I didn't know what drag was. I didn't understand what drag was. When we sat down and studied and researched, we were like, this is great. This is fun. This is, you know, art. And there's a lot more drag queens coming out of India now. Other venues have started doing drag nights. I'm happy because there's now... There is a scene now. Because there's more than one venue who will do this. We're also bringing in, practically every other month, an international drag queen. gives people perspective of where it's at internationally. And... A lot of the international drag queens also kind of want to work with us. So it's a happy relationship there.
1: Relaxing. Getting back into shape for this weekend big parties coming up in Mumbai, Delhi, and Pune. We're on our way to meet San Junes, super talented live electronic artist based here. We're invited to her house. Tea would be amazing. What kind of tea would you like? Tulsi looks good.
0: Hi, I'm San Dunes and you are in my studio in Mumbai. Basically, one bedroom in the house that has been lined with a bunch of panels and base traps. Studio monitors. I've got lots of wires that are unfashionably draping on themselves all over every piece of furniture. Stuff in bags and kind of in boxes. <laughs> couple of synths, I've always got a keyboard next to me. Things don't really look the same around here for too long. It sort of depends on what I'm working on.
1: Okay, I have to make it clear that Mumbai is such a busy city, right? There's always people working, working all the time. So if you hear a bit of a uh, building noise in the background, it's because there are some builders there working, like people do in Mumbai, all the time. How do you kind of decide you know, how you build your tracks? Does it come from sort of you jamming here in the studio or does it come from like an interesting sound you may hear when you're outside?
0: Totally depends on what the intent is and I've come to a place where I try to be quite clear about that. Sometimes the intent is to explore an idea and whack a bunch of sounds on different samplers and mess around or the intent is to understand the software better or to really challenge my patterns with voicing and harmony and sometimes the intent is to tell a story and adhere to some like conceptual rigour, in which case uh, I'll apply a bunch of limitations based on what that concept is and then just try to figure out a way to create music based on that. That's what the seeds usually look like.
1: Do you see yourself as a specifically Indian artist?
0: Inherently, I think the nature of music and what I'm actually trying to convey with music is the Breakdown of all those identities and concepts and structures that we're so fixated upon because that's kind of the nature of how we dissect and rearrange society. But I'm very aware of uh, those sort of categories sometimes aiding you and sometimes feeling like a burden. And I experience them in different ways. I mean, very often I'm the female artist, very often I'm the Indian artist, very often it'll be the live act amongst the DJs. I mean, there's various... Things like that, that that everyone kind of contends with when you're in the art space, I guess, or when you're making art. Yeah, sometimes it's of benefit and I feel proud sometimes that I'm able to kind of put the geography on the map. But uh, yeah, of late I've been certainly returning to that idea that it's just music.
1: How accessible is the of underground electronic music scene in India. Can everyone consume it? Is it just a certain side of society? How does it work? It's
0: completely inaccessible, mostly just because the inherent nature of the country we live in. The socio-economic setup of the country is such that whether we're totally desensitized to it or acutely aware of it, class segregation is huge in in this country. I mean, accessible is like a... It's a strong word in a country where a majority of your population can't forget entertainment. That's like a far end of the privilege spectrum. There are basic things in between that and them that somehow I find very grating. I am constantly made aware of it when I'm in clubs or in performance spaces. Um, I have a lot of opportunities to let's say check my privilege. So in that sense, no, it's not accessible. Uh, which is why sometimes it feels better to play music in the West. It seems like it's on a more even keel. But within this spectrum, like if you accept that socioeconomic fabric, then I would say within that, yes, it's a very open community. There's a really healthy environment around kind of supporting different pockets and bubbles of this music space to thrive and develop. People are certainly trying to encourage other artists, encourage collectives, encourage promoters, you know, have like create more and collaborate more and just kind of do more work and build more opportunities. Because I guess ultimately it's super nascent in India, this culture and this music and this community has not been around for more than strongly a decade at Mm -hmm. best. So it's almost unrealistic to compare it to the West because we just haven't had that long a lineage of it
1: you're one of the Indian artists that's been talented and lucky enough to be able to kind of go and play around Europe. How does it make you feel? And how do people perceive you over there?
0: I often receive a sense of shock of like, oh yeah, but you're Indian, but but you, but you didn't play with a tabla player or a sitar player. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like God. this kind of music exists in India. And that happens more often than you'd imagine. But mostly I see my my role as being that of demonstrating that it's possible for all of the other artists who are coming out here, growing here, uh, and who are developing works here, and who create art that's so reflective of their lives as urban Indian kids. uh, And a lot of the music is, is really good and extremely at par with what else is coming out internationally. There was, I think, previously a notion that those doors were shut. Like it was, oh, but getting a visa is impossible. Or, oh, but getting booked is impossible. You know, I'm like living proof that it's not that hard It's possible. It takes a lot of work. And a lot of the time you've got to figure out how to balance yourself so that you're able to sustain doing it. I see that as important work. To kind of open the doors so that the channels for Indian music to be considered global music, that channel is open because... I find it a bit irksome sometimes and it's like global music scene but it's like no, it's the West. Not very often inclusive of South Asia and the Middle East and there is so much in the world that it's difficult to call anything anything. But uh, there are a lot of opportunities that I chance upon because they're focused on India and it's not like I've been scouted out because of my music but it's like we want to shine a spotlight on India. And I think that right now, that's not a bad thing.
1: In Europe, how does it feel for you to play there?
0: Great. Suddenly, you go from trying to do things here, and then there's yeah. like, yeah, some gigs are great, some gigs are not. And most of the time, I've had gig experiences there where I've been like, wow, oh, they really get it. <laughs> like, people just like my yeah, music. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to try that hard. Explain,
1: yeah. Where have you played in Europe?
0: Most memorably, um, I played at Manchester International Festival. I played an opening slot for Bonobo and I wishfully likened my music to his. So it was nice to play for that audience because I know that whatever I'm aspiring towards, they would inherently be into as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Wow, that must have been amazing. It was amazing. Oh, you must have been a bit stressed. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot. And it was before I was playing with the drummer. So it was definitely minus Tarun and a lot of uh, pressure. Uh, but yeah, it was a great experience. Really, like a, a high.
1: How difficult is it to actually like be a full-time artist here?
0: Uh, you have to have your fingers in many different pies. Yeah. Uh, or you just got to be really intelligent about how you spend your time and how you build your brand. Unfortunately, I really don't like that word, but it's. Uh, it's a reality. Yeah, yeah. it really is. I do other work, you know, I go through a series of different phases where I'll be taking on a lot of DJ gigs and whatever work comes my way depending on how much I need that work. Quite often I do jingles, I make music for like television commercials or social media. Um, I'm quite interested to at some stage work on some films as well and some more uh, like a long station project yep. around visual voice-over, sound design, basically within the spectrum of sound, anything that that I can do, I have done. There's also quite a healthy, I think, uh, culture right now that's new where uh, work is being taken on very collectively and spread the wealth, share the load, that kind of mentality. I also think with a big sudden increase in the amount of what's being produced here in terms of, like, I think Netflix is doing a bunch of work in Bombay, in India, Amazon Prime has just come here and uh, there's like this trickle effect now where everyone in the industry has work, it's kind of coming into the hands of independent producers as well, people who don't work in conventional methods, so, yeah.
1: first gig of the weekend with Cindy Curry, DJ, based here. Could I just um, get you to describe where we are, you know, in Mumbai? Yeah,
2: we're actually at a great venue called Social, which is like the mother of all venues right now. Social has its own little crowd that's always hanging out here because it's in Bandra, it's in cars, so uh, it's not too far. There's too many cool people living here. Bandra is
1: the cool spot.
2: The entire action is out here right from your bars to your restaurants to even the cool uh, boutiques that are selling good clothes and just generally like people from all over the city actually travel to Bandra so a lot of people just pour in over the weekend is why it's uh, such a cool place to sort of be around you know
1: Cindy Curry french toast tonight all night in car social let's have a party yeah looking forward right? My last tune of this gig, car social somehow stayed open till 3am. Don't ask me how. The last dancers you heard there went for it from start to finish and the owner was right at the front. So I think it's fair to say it was a big one. Straight to the airport to catch my early flight to Delhi so I have time to go and meet a crew doing big things for this scene. We are at Box Out FM D22. Yo, what's up, man? Well, I'm good man? good? Frank, right. nice guy.
6: Yeah. Hey, how's it how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it Hey, dude. alright? Right. Nice. Yeah. sampling some of these records we bought. Nice. You good? You want a coffee or something?
1: Oh, man, coffee would be amazing. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: We're just gonna Set up. The, what are you using? USBs. USBs yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah.
1: Twenty first century Skittles
6: DJ. Is, uh, helping us with the recording and the broadcasting. Cool. So we're showing him. It's his first time doing it by himself. <laughs> awesome, it's, man. Uh, yeah. Everything is uh, Sick. set up. So.
1: That's cool, man. I just have to plug in and yeah. get cracking. Really. Anyone
4: else gonna have a coffee? Uh, I'm
0: pretty fucking
6: wired already. <laughs> <laughs> box out of them. Box out of them. Box out of them. Online community. Is Online.
0: Keep
1: the love. afternoon Vox FM live from uh, New Delhi got My name's Frank. You may know me as French toes. To Here for one night only playing at Fio tonight.'s it been an amazing ninja tour so far. Gonna be playing with you some cool disco. Some of the stuff I really like that I play on my own radio show. I just love that there's a really cool underground station here coming out of India. Big shout to Mo City for making it happen.
0: I just got to be loved.
1: Everyone needs to feel a little bit loved, right?
0: Just got to be loved.
1: Do you feel loved? Let us know. Frank French Toast on Insta.
6: This is uh, DJ Mo City, aka DJMocity.com, aka Iraq's first soundboy, living at large, live and direct from New Delhi, India. We're right now at the boxout.fm HQ. We're in uh, South Delhi in an area called Gulmohor Park, which is like a residential area. It's uh, actually a lot of people who like work in press media live here. It's a quiet neighborhood. Somehow we managed to find this location. We're in a basement. We're sitting in the main uh, broadcast room, and there is the edit studio, which is the other room. We have uh, two studios and a big living room that 12 of us work out of. This is your house? I live in the radio.
1: So tell me a little bit about you know your story, what brought you to start Box Out here in Delhi.
6: I'm originally from Iraq. I was born in Baghdad. My family moved to India in the 90s. I lived in Delhi for about like 18 years, lived in Bombay for three years. So in 2012, I left India to go back to Iraq and then I moved to Dubai after that. Ultimately, I came back here in 2016. But this time, my primary focus was to expand the music scene that is already existing. Started off with just kind of like promoting or talking about the idea of underground music. Or alternative music now it's evolved into independent radio music from all styles that we believe has not got a chance to be on the radio so we don't just play underground music but we try to give independent listeners a new experience which is actually old but it's new to them because that idea of online radio is very new here
1: do you make it work
6: i think the main thing is like just having to confront yourself and agree to the fact that you are gonna have to do everything you have to learn to do everything so the minute something isn't done you don't complain about it you go and do it this commitment has to be taken you know and i cannot enter this like uh, not as uh, excited every day i decided to enter this with like a full commitment and it's my duty to operate the radio So how do we do it? I mean, it's just being really crazy, passionate, driven about the independent music that we're promoting, the people who are creating it, wanting other people to experience what we experience when we listen to great DJs, great bands, great musicians, you know, we think of it, we see it, we consume it differently. So we wanted to get that out to a lot of people who have not had this exposure or this place to consume this music.
1: How do you feel about the scene in India at the moment?
6: It's very happening, you know, there's a lot of people creating, there's a lot of people promoting, but I feel like there's not enough people consuming. There are still empty dance floors, there are still not sold out shows for great bands, there are still like stuff on Bandcamp that nobody bought, there are music on Soundcloud that nobody reposted. That's because the consumers, the crowd is all focused on like specific types of music. The more accessible music. So till uh, the independent music becomes like really involved in everybody's uh, day and life. I don't know like it's challenging to see it because uh, everybody's working really hard to make this happen. So we just uh, we need a signal from the people that they're out there. And when that happens I feel things will work out for many other people like musicians. Because generally they're the ones who need to make this uh, like a full-time thing. So they have to get paid for it. They have to pay for their rent, life, family, everything. And right now, it's not reached that system mechanically. Local artists still don't get like full headline slots. But there are a lot of great people now, which will change. I mean, uh, it takes time for everything to change, to be confident about the people around you.
1: The core sort of ethos of Box Out is not to take... Content from anywhere else than India, really. It's focused on Indian artists, on the Indian scene.
6: So, first thing I'll highlight is that, like people like yourself, playing guest mixes for us, you are now being exposed to the people that already are listening to Box Out FM music that is along the lines. When you share your mix, people who listen to you also discover Box Out FM. That's one thing which we always try to do because a lot of people don't really know how much there is in India right now, and that helps. We're trying to explore as much styles of music from different backgrounds and represented with an Indian take you know why here I feel like my time in all these other countries was just kind of like a a lesson in life you know this is ultimately where I grew up and where I was exposed to all this stuff so it's only right to pay back the dues of like being here for so long so that's it
1: do you call this home
6: I call this home yeah definitely (laughs)
1: Cookhouse. The vibe is starting up, it's gonna be pretty banging soon. I'm playing for this party called Red Room Sessions, and the guys inside have set up this whole massive LED screen. Red, as you can imagine. uh, It's a big cross that's gonna be right behind me when I'm DJing. And a stage that was purposefully built for today. So, uh, Yeah, I'm very excited. The guys have put a lot of work into this. I think we're going to have a good time.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, from London, United Kingdom, his debut at the Red Room sessions at FIO. Let's give it up for French Toast.
1: We're here for one night, so let's party. wake-up call and now I'm on the later flight I'm landing 30 minutes before my gig so hopefully we can make it on time I think he'll be okay in Pune we're still on time we're on the High Spirits Express en route for the last part of my engine tour High Spirits looking nice like this spot. It's the second time I play here and it looks like everything you would expect from a sort of tropical beach bar about that it's not on the beach. (laughs) Bob Marley pictures everywhere, some palm trees, we're basically in the middle of like a mini forest. Big kind of wooden tent set up. I'm on the stage this is the place where young people come and hang out on the Sunday. It's gonna be a party. I'm on in five. been amazing I can't wait to come back here I can't wait to come back here great people great locations so nice to be able to travel India that way and to meet lots of old friends on the way and make some new ones we'll do that again next year